So when I was in seminary, there was a, a guy from Australia. His name was Sean from Perth, or Perth, as we'd say. And uh, he was telling me a story of, uh, he was over at his brother-in-law's farm. And I think it was for, uh, for reasons of, of, of eating, but his brother-in-law had to kill a lamb, right? So, so he got his rifle and he went outside and Sean went with him. And so uh, he, he took the lamb aside, right? And the lamb just kind of looked up at him and lay down and just went, meh. And he's standing there with his rifle going, oh, no, mate. <laughs> How do you do it? Like, how, like, Lambs are so harmless and so gentle. Just kind of just rolled over. And he's like, would you just f- fight back, would you? I mean, just do something like, put up a bit of a struggle. But no, it just, just rolled over and waited for the end. Uh, and I, I, we, we never had lambs. We never had sheep at home. But uh, I've seen people with them in, in the meantime. Uh, we had um, a little goat here, but that, that's a long story. But uh, it, lambs, lambs are cute out, in fairness. If you've ever had one or if you've ever seen people nursing them when you get there, when they ha- you, get, you, know, you often have to feed them with a bottle if, if you've taken them from their mom early. So and when you feed them with a bottle, the little tail goes 90. The little tail wags. Or when they're happy, you see, like, they're cute out. They're harmed. They're so innocent. Right, so innocent and so harmless and so cute. And that is almost exactly why the lamb is chosen as, as the Passover sacrifice. Because they're, they're spotless, they're pure, they're innocent. There's no fight back in them. But this isn't weakness now, it's just it's purity. It's purity. There's no kind of evil intent in them. Uh, there's no darkness so the, 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 the lamb then that, that God asks uh, Moses to, to tell the people to choose, it must be so a male, one year old and without blemish. So you can't give the, the wonky one with three legs or just get rid of the, the mangy one that's going to die anyway. You have to have the, the good animal, the best animal, right? And a male, and one year old. Now, again, for people with a farming mentality, killing a lamb or killing a calf... Uh, it's always a bit of a waste because if you just hold on for one year with a little more grass, you get an animal three times the size. So if you just, you know, a little more feeding and you get way more meat. So killing a lamb is kind of unfortunate. Well, it's, just, it's kind of it's all, be considered almost wasteful. Uh, just, as I say, just feed them, give them a while, and you get way more meat from them. So it is a sacrifice. Even from the farmer's perspective, it's, or from the owner's perspective, it's a sacrifice to sacrifice a lamb. So there's, there's, there's an awful lot of symbolism. Everything about this is symbolic. Um, so it must be an, am, an animal without blemish, a male, one year old, take it from sheep or goats, keep it till the 14th day, when the whole assembly of the community will slaughter it between the two evenings. Now, again, our politically correct ears, we don't like hearing words of slaughter or sacrifice. Those kind of things are they're a bit too earthy, a bit too uh, violent or, or cruel, uh, Especially if people aren't from a farming background, they wouldn't be familiar with this kind of, kind of lifestyle. Um, so everything, the description is also lovely and beautiful until they mention the word slaughter. <laughs> because we, we must remember that while, while this is, yes, a gathering of, of the, the people of Israel and it's a gathering of the community, it's a gathering for something 
momentous, something very, very serious, uh, something that cost God his life, that cost Jesus his life. So similarly, like all these ideas, you see, none of, none of these ideas should be lost when we transfer all of this Old Testament understanding of the Passover into the New Testament. We have to bring these things with us. So similarly, in the Old Testament, it wasn't just a nice gathering of the people where they will remember how good God was to them. They gathered for a sacrifice. And so in, for us today, Holy Mass isn't just a gathering of the community to remember how good God was and to thank him for various things. While, while that's good and important and necessary, there is something much more serious at the heart of Mass, and that is that Mass is a sacrifice. The holy sacrifice of the mass. That's it, it is a sacrifice. So it's not, not in a bloody form uh, as it would have been for the Jews, but it is a sacrifice. So we're present again, or we make present again, the one sacrifice of Jesus to God the Father. The immolated lamb offered to God the Father. Behold, the lamb of God is offered again to God, is offered to God the Father. It's the one sacrifice that, that we remember, make present again. So it's a sacrifice. It's, it's, so it's, it's, not, it's not entirely true just to say Mass is just a gathering of the community and we celebrate uh, God's goodness and we celebrate our, our faith and we celebrate the community. Because often what happens is we actually end up substituting God with us. Where rather than us gathering around the altar of sacrifice as Jesus offered to the Father, we gather around and we, we start patting ourselves on the back for having a great choir and great altar servers and great people involved and great readers and the great committee and the great organizers and the great ushers and everyone who's cleaned up and everyone who's and, and the collectors and, and we're all patting ourselves on the back. Look, it's good to be grateful, don't get me wrong. But mass isn't about isn't just about the community coming together. Because the community can come together to eat pizza, which is great. Pizza's wonderful and the community coming together is fantastic. That's not mass. Mass isn't just the community coming together. You can come together and we can have a bouncy castle outside, which is an awful lot more fun than Mass. All right? But Mass isn't about just the, the community coming together, because you can do that for any reason. GAA, people come together. That's not Mass. We gather as a faith-filled community for the holy sacrifice of the Mass. That's the sacrifice. And it's, 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 it's beautiful... Again, some of the details here. Some of the blood must be taken and put on the two doorposts and the lintel of where the house is eaten. So either side of the door and over the door. <clears throat> and therefore, when the angel of death is passing over, the family will be saved by the blood of the lamb. The people will be saved by the blood. Again, fast forward to the New Testament. When we are washed clean thing of the divine mercy, the, the water flowing from the Lord's heart which washes us clean the blood from his heart which gives us life so confession and the Holy Eucharist we're saved by the blood of the Lamb we're saved by the blood of Jesus we're saved by Jesus' blood so as, 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 as the angel not so much the angel of death these days but maybe evil temptation, the enemy as, as he's prowling around like a roaring lion waiting for someone to eat as St. Peter says uh, we're saved by the blood of the Lamb Saved by the blood of the Lamb. It's another little detail here that I've never really paid much attention to, but 
I think it's important. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled, but roast it over the fire. Head, feet, and entrails. You must not leave any over until the morning. What is left, you are to burn. It's just, again, why are those details important? I think there's a couple of things. Now, one or two are just my opinion, so I'll, I'll little, put a little asterisk before it in that. Uh, but uh, I think my take on it would be, as regards, do not eat any of it raw, boiled, but roasted. Uh, if, you, if you boil it, some of the fat ends up in the water. That's when you boil ham, that's what I see anyway. You see all the, the fat bouncing around on the top of the water. Whereas my understanding would be that when the Lord sacrifices himself, it, again, fast forward to the New Testament, <clears throat> he wants to show that he sacrifices himself entirely. You know what I mean? Like when Jesus is on the cross, he empties himself of his life, he empties himself of his blood, so much so there's no blood left when they pierce him. It's blood and then water that flows out. There's just no blood left. He's just had completely emptied himself. So I think this is this is this Old Testament prefiguration where where the lamb it's it's entirely consumed by the people. I think as well of the, the reverence we're supposed to have for the Eucharist. If there's any holy communion left over, or any particles left, all must be consumed. As in all, all the particles must be consumed. You don't say, Well, we've three holy communions and four crumbs, we get rid of the crumbs. You know, no, all, all of it, all the priests, that's why afterwards, after the, the, the Mass, we're so careful to, to purify everything. Every little crumb from the, the ciborium, from the paten, and, and from the priest paten, you, every little crumb. So nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled, but roasted. Head, feet, and entrails. Everything. The whole lamb is sacrificed and the whole lamb is consumed. All of Jesus is sacrificed. All of Jesus is consumed by us. When we receive Jesus, we receive body, blood, soul, and divinity. We receive everything about Jesus. It's incredible. And do not leave any over till the morning, but what is left you are to burn. So when you burn something, there's, there's nothing left. You know, even, even like the ash, the ash is just dust. There's nothing left. So as regards Holy Communion, when we receive it, like we receive the entirety of the Lord and we leave nothing over. That's not to say we can't reserve Holy Communion for the following day or for the following day, of course we can. That's more for practical reasons. But the, the sacrifice is still entire, right? Jesus has been entirely sacrificed and what you receive is entirely God. So, all of these ideas, all of these uh, realities, all of these preparations for the Last Supper. You can imagine the, the apostles at the Last Supper and, and, and seeing how certain things were the same. Maybe the, the Psalms, they would have sung uh, the preparations for, for the Last Supper would have been saying, they would have been familiar. Like you know, for us, the closest thing we have to it, I guess, is maybe like a Christmas dinner where traditionally families would have maybe their own Maybe some go for turkey and ham, some go for the, whatever it is. Each family tends to have some sort of a tradition. Then afterwards there's the Christmas cake. And then uh, if a certain year there was no turkey or there was no ham or there was no gravy, or there was no wine, or there was no Christmas cake or no Christmas pudding, you'd notice. I mean, we've had this every year since year dot. Why is there no pudding this year? What happened? Uh, so for the Last Supper... You'll notice that 
when they speak about the Last Supper, all the accounts we have of the Last Supper, they don't mention the lamb. They never mention passing around the lamb, consuming the lamb, eating the lamb, roasting the lamb. It's, not, it's never mentioned. Now the apostles would have noticed this because Jesus takes the place of the lamb. Take this, all of you, and eat of it. This is my body given up for you. So at the Last Supper, the apostles would have been there going, this is, this is where, where's the lamb? And maybe they would have remembered the words of, of John the, the Baptist, behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Maybe they would have. Maybe they didn't at that time. But it all, it all came together afterwards to see how this Old Testament preparation is fulfilled and perfected in the New Testament, perfected in Jesus so you see how, how the Mass then, you see why it's so important that we, we don't change things. You see why it's so important that we just, we do what the church teaches, do what the church asks. Uh, from a priest's perspective, we have the expression, uh, if it's in red, do it. If it's in black, say it. So we have our instructions to call the rubrics are written in red. Uh, so, you know, elevate your hands, lift up the host, whatever it is, that's written in red. So if it's in red, do it. If it's in black, say it. Keep it simple. And, and that's why it's so important we don't change things or don't kind of change what the focus of Mass is. Because you're dealing with things, or, or dare I say, messing with things, toying with things that go way, way beyond us and way, way before us. Like way back to Exodus and before. So it's really not my right to go changing things at Mass. When we read passages like this, it should remind us of the patience of God in planning all of these things, 12 centuries, 13 centuries, before Jesus even came. And the importance then of each of these people along the way, Moses and Aaron and the Levites afterwards, and it's so important that they held on to these traditions and lived them faithfully. And so it is with us. We now have the Mass given to us it's our our responsibility it's our responsibility to live the mass to attend mass with reverence and with love and to receive the lord with gratitude with an open heart and then to live that when we when we leave here that because we've been to mass we're different we're changed we're transformed and so we ask the lord today to renew our eucharistic fervor to renew our love for him in the Blessed Sacrament, that no Mass will ever be an ordinary Mass, but that every reception of Holy Communion may be entirely transforming. Amen.